gazelle got distracted by the rich lush green grass and has managed to stray away from her herd. Isolating herself and potentially placing herself in a dire situation. Little does she know, just a few meters away, she is being watched. A male lion lurks in the tall grass, waiting for his opportune time to pounce. The gazelle senses the danger and runs. The lion springs into action and chases her down. It would seem the clever gazelle, agility, has outmaneuvered the hungry lion. But the gazelle makes a terrible mistake and trips. There is nothing she can do. The lion clamps his jaws around her throat, blocking her airway. It's only a matter of time. There is no surprise why they're called the king of beasts, one of the most effective hunters in the world. Have you ever stepped on the evil? Have you ever just been minding your own business and then in one step, your whole body is being triggered? Your hair stands up on the back of your neck and your heart starts pounding. You look around sharply, searching for an answer on why. Why your instincts are telling you to run. Run as fast as you can. You shouldn't be where you are. Move, go, run. With the feeling of unsurmountable dread. Hi, I'm Jordan. And welcome to the Spider and the Dragonfly's second episode. Part 1. Stepping on Evil. Our instincts are something mysterious. Not all of us are in tune to, or completely understand them. When watching an animal documentary, you notice a lone gazelle happily grazing. Then all of a sudden, the gazelle freezes, raises its head. Her instincts overwhelm her senses of danger. The camera pans across some long golden grass blowing in the wind, then stops on a spot. The camera refocuses to reveal two eyes locked on the gazelle. It's a lion stalking his prey. Fight or flight kicks in and the gazelle bolts away. The lion takes off in hot pursuit, chasing her down for its next meal. The gazelle could sense the presence of danger even before the lion went for the attack. She couldn't see it, hear it, or smell it, but felt it. As humans, we too have those senses built in, those instincts that will try and direct us out of danger if we are unlucky enough to step on evil. I can give you a dozen examples of when I've stepped on evil in life. Whether it be as simply as crossing the street to avoid being mugged, or being awoken in the middle of the night with a gut-wrenching urge to check on the kids. 
only to discover the cord of my three-year-old daughter's window blinds were wrapped around her neck while she was sleeping. But one experience I still can't fully explain to this day that still haunts me and is something I believe had truly evil intentions. Ever since my wife and I first got together, we always shared a sense of adventure. Our favourite thing to do on weekends was to pull out a map and head out on a road trip to explore places we've never seen. That's when my wife Jo introduced me to her, well, curious hobby, to explore old abandoned houses, which usually took place deep in the west, in ghost town environments. Honestly, every time we pulled up to one of those houses, it always made me feel uneasy. Not from ghosts or goblins, but waiting for their owners or the police to show up and arrest us trespassing. But I always went along with it, because she seemed to enjoy it. And I did like the thrill of it all. Not at the time, but after it was all over, I would think, yeah, that was pretty cool. Most of the houses never had a soul inside them for 50 years or more. They were all desiccated and rotten, one bad storm away from collapse. Over the years though, the more dwellings we investigated, the more bolder Joe became in selecting the houses we inspected. So, the newer they became. Joe had an unbelievable knack for picking which houses were abandoned. She'll be like, this one, stop here. And I would say, uh, are you sure? Do we have to? It looks like a rental. There was my uneasiness again. But every time she was right and they were completely vacant and deserted. There was one in particular though. Uh, we came across on one of our weekend drives in a rural area in the central west of New South Wales. It just looked like a normal house. One that you'll think was on the market or for rent. It looked like a fairly modern house. It was one of a string of properties that were placed one or two kilometers apart that ran along the roadside. It was countersunk a few meters down a slope from the road. It was a medium sized brick home. The only thing that stood out was the double garage was boarded up with sheets of ply with a big black X spray painted across them. I assume it was from some kind of storm damage. As we walked down towards it, I noticed on either side of the house there was a forest of tall thin trees all tightly packed together, making it impossible to access the backyard. As we got to the front door, I slowly reached out to the doorknob. I was hoping within myself that it was locked, so we could have bought the mission. The house just looked too new for what we do. I go to turn the handle and feel it slide easily around, then push the door forwards and slowly creaked open. I hold us back for a moment, listening for any movement in the house. 
I calmly yell, Hello, are you home today? To be sure, you know, it was empty. There was no response, so I stepped over the threshold and found myself at the end of the hallway, looking up into the other end of the house. There was three doors that ran along the left side of the hall. On the other side was a couple of windows that looked onto the front yard. I walked up to the first door. It was slightly ajar. Joe came up slowly a couple of metres behind me, almost tiptoeing. It was the first time I could feel she seemed a bit nervous, which was unlike her. I think the newer house threw her a bit, so I couldn't help myself. As I pushed the door open, I got an idea. All I could see was a pile of clothes sitting in the middle of an empty bedroom. But I yelled into the room, Oh, sorry mate, and turned quickly towards Joe. Joe's eyes widened and she quickly spun around and darted towards the front door. Then I burst into laughter. Joe suddenly paused in the doorway and turned back to me. As she seen my cheeky grin, she shook her head and said, You asshole!" in relief. All the nerve-wracking moments I had of her dragging me into these houses, it was fun to see the shoe on the other foot. So with that, we continued down the hall, checking the other, other doors. Along the way, every room was similar. Bedrooms with clothes and other household contents on the floor. Which was the other strange thing about this house, which differed from all the others. Every single household item that belongs to a home and a family was still in the house. It was just all lying on the floor. I was trying to make sense of why this would be. As we walked to the end of the hallway, it opened up to a living room on the right and a kitchen on the left, which had a glass sliding door which opened onto the backyard. After investigating the lounge room and kitchen, I slid open the glass door. There was a shallow courtyard with an old shed running parallel to the house. Directly across from the kitchen door, was the door to the shed, just a few feet away. I walked over and poked my head in. My heart started beating. Instantly, when I saw a makeshift kitchen, a freshly made bed with food supplies resting neatly on the countertop. Straight away, I thought, fuck, there's someone living here. My mind started racing. There's a squaddle or someone here. I just remember smacking my hand down on Joe's wrist and pulling her along back into the kitchen so we could zip out the front door. Joe started yelling, what's wrong, what's wrong? I said, there's someone living here. What, what do you mean? Joe asked. There are living quarters in the shed all set up. As we charged through the kitchen in a panic, I looked up to the hallway and the entry we just came through was covered with a giant cabinet. We were trapped. Where the fuck did that come from? I turned to Joe, and she went as wide as a ghost. I quickly thrusted my shoulder into it to try and move it, but I couldn't. I couldn't budge it. It weighed a fucking ton. 
How did this even get here? We just walked through here a few minutes ago. All I could think was someone closed off our exit and we was gonna be murdered by some serial killer creep. I knew our only chance was to get outside. So I led Joe into the backyard towards the side of the house. There was those dense lot of thin trees. With all my might, I bent them apart, letting Joe scramble between them. As we reached and pulled and fought our way through, meter by meter, we eventually fell out onto the front yard clearing. With my forearms scratched, cut and bleeding, we ran up to the slope, to our car and jumped in. With that, I took my first breath and started the engine. I looked down to the house to see if I could see anyone or any movement as Joel yelled, what the fuck just happened? I kept my eyes locked onto the house as we drove away. I explained to Joe the dwelling I saw in the shed, that that cabinet blocking the hallway was something Joe couldn't wrap her head around either. For the next couple of kilometers, we was in a frantic, conversation going through step by step our entire movements in that house attempting to work out how it was even possible as i look ahead i see a corner store so we decide to stop and get a drink in there some of our questions will be answered and what else we learn will horrify us for the rest of our lives Are you sure? Yeah, it should be just fine. It looks like a Randall. When watching an animal documentary, you notice a lone gazelle happily grazing. The camera pans across some long golden grass blowing in the wind, then stops on a spot. Hello, are you home today? The camera refocuses to reveal two eyes locked on the gazelle. Do we have to? The gazelle could sense the presence of danger. Please join me next time for part two of three of the Spider and the Dragonflies second episode, Stepping on Evil. And remember, earbuds make it real.